Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 73 for Monday, July 27th. I'm Alex Zui here today with Alex Rudy and Forbode Markazi. How you guys doing? Great. Harder than the Miami Marlins. <laughs> yes, the, the Miami Marlins decimated by coronavirus. Uh, that is the headline today. Very serious headline to start the just the really the first full week of baseball since uh, since opening day, and already we have two games that have been postponed. The Marlins will not be playing their next series, and we don't know how how long that's going to be. Uh, the or they were supposed to be playing the Orioles at home for their home opener. The Orioles have left Miami. I think they're they're not anticipating playing uh, over the next few days, and the the Phillies who were playing the Marlins just this weekend uh, are also not going to be playing the Yankees on their on their normally scheduled game. Uh, that game will not be happening either, and. Yeah, we will get into a lot more of the discussion around what Major League Baseball is doing to deal with this this very early outbreak, this very early issue in a in what is supposed to be a a tight solution to combat the global pandemic. Uh, we will get into that discussion uh, a little bit later on, but to start with, I I want to address some of the news from. Last week, from opening week, we haven't podcasted since then, and before we get into too long a discussion about coronavirus yet again, uh, let's let's talk about a few topics that are not necessarily breaking news, but really, really important things nonetheless. Let's start with Mookie Betts, who made the biggest headlines on opening day, was it correct? He He signed... A, an extension with the Dodgers, uh, seemingly out of nowhere. There wasn't a whole lot of reports leading up to it. Um, but yeah, he has, has signed a long-term extension, I believe 13 years now with the Dodgers. Um, I think it's 13, including this year, so 12. So the uh, 12-year extension, totaling 13 years, and... I, I don't we didn't I didn't write the dollar amount down. That's that's not three hundred sixty five million dollars. That's including this year. So thirteen years, and he's going to be making three hundred sixty five million dollars. Is that correct? You are no. correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Off to a great Which start. <laughs> including a signing bonus of sixty five million. He actually only makes thirty about thirty point five million dollars per season. Only. 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 I don't think I saw any deferred money though, which is which is interesting. I I thought I thought there was some deferred, but I can look into that. There usually is deferred, so I believe it. Yeah. Anyway, the hidden I, deferred money. <laughs> um, his deal calls for eight million eight million dollars is deferred each year from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty five. Ten million is going to be deferred from twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven. And then eleven in each of his last five seasons on the contract, um, and it's going to be payable back to him from twenty thirty three to twenty forty four. Um, yeah, 
He's going to be paid eight million for the first five years, ten million for the next two, and then eleven in the final five. Well, all the details included. The biggest takeaway is that after months of not knowing if Mookie Betts would ever play in a Dodgers uniform on this, what was supposedly a a rental deal where Mookie Betts would be entering free agency at the end of this year, now we are all geared up to see this guy in Dodger blue for forever, basically. That's, That's the end of it. So the Dodgers... I don't have to tell you, really good. <laughs> and now seemingly going to be that way for a long time. Is there anything really that impactful for for this year that, yes. that comes to mind other than just I, solidifying? Yeah. I just thought Dodgers. it was <laughs> um, for uh, Mookie Betts. Um, I, I just thought it was crazy that turnaround that you mentioned of how we didn't know he was going to play in Dodger blue. And then first day of the season before they play baseball, a contract's done. So it kind of leads you to wonder how long were they discussing this? And was they like knowing they had to pay him a lot of money. I I know this, not a lot of this goes back on like player salaries really depend on, um, what the owners wanted to do with this season, but how long were they discussing this? Was it during the time that um, the MLB was and the owners were fighting to lower the players' pay? Like all this money stuff is—I'm kind of tired of talking about it, but it's crazy. And I—I I know a couple of my Red Sox fan friends who are very, very sad about this news. Well, I think clearly they did a really good job of keeping the negotiations just under the wrap. And out of the spotlight, I, I think that's yeah. really the only explanation Absolutely. for that part. And then, um, in, in all in all, honesty, like I, I think even though like there was so little smoke around it, it's also just like not surprising because like you you had to think as soon as they trade for them that the negotiations for an extension really already had started. Then, um, if not already, he had verbally agreed to like some future contract just when they traded him. Is really taken to the farthest extent um so i really think it was just waiting for mookie to commit to the dodgers and obviously i think the way the season's playing out as we'll get into in a little bit it made perfect sense for mookie to just take this money um and run and i mean this money is in total value the second most of any contract only after trout which is significant trout is obviously significantly higher but um i really think the red sox takeaway is the biggest one because I still think even with how expensive this contract is, I think it's actually a pretty good deal. His average salary per year is, I think, totally acceptable and really in line with, if not lower than um, about half a dozen uh, comparable players. And, you know, if the Red Sox really weren't willing to pay for, a, a, I would say, a market value price, which is what Mookie Betts got for, a, you know, arguably – outside of Trout, the best player in baseball, I think it's, that's pretty damning of the f- front offices and really the ownership's commitment to spending. And it really shows that uh, I think the Red Sox organization kind of spends to the championship. And then once they kind of win, um, they really cut off the tap until they're back in contention. Um, so, But was I, that? Really frustrating as a fan, I would say, for the no. Red Sox, you, like you mentioned. 
No, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the fact that uh, they did a really great job of keeping the negotiations under wraps. With Trout's, it was a surprise too. And Trout wasn't going into his final year. He, that would have been this year. So do you think that's more an attribute to the player wanting to keep it under under the wraps, the times, or like just the dollar figure that they they want to like keep that under the wraps so there's no added pressure from fans? I think what Betts and Trout both have in common is that those guys, they're both pretty like low-key, I feel like. They both have very yeah. well-managed public profiles. You know, Betts' favorite off-the-field activity as far as more of his bowling. I mean, when you consider that Betts made it his whole prime in Boston with a pretty small profile, and that's like a, you know, that has to be like arguably the um, most intense spotlight of any sports cities for the Stars players, like just in terms of like how much of a microscope you're under. I think it just shows you that this is kind of the way he rolls. Like it's kind of like Kawhi Leonard-ish, you know, uh, for in a different sport comparison. I, I think this is just his style. He's not... He's not a tabloidy player. He's not Harper, you know, dressing up in a Philly fanatic suit and cleats uh, for opening day. Yes, Mookie Betts yeah. did not wear a Philly fanatic uh, paraphernalia on opening day, unfortunately. Uh, paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. That's the word, right? And he's anyway. Mookie Betts, great for him. He's not off to a great start this season in just four games with the Dodgers so far. Uh, he's he's only three for twenty. So we'll see. How uh, how fruitful this season is. The Dodgers lost two two games to the Giants already. Uh, <laughs> interesting start to the season for them. Let's let's continue on though, and we'll get to some injury news. Actually, uh, one the first one, the first player we'll talk about would be Corey Kluber, who is the newest Texas Ranger, and already has suffered a grade two tear of the the Terry's major muscle so he's he's going to be missing significant time uh he's shut down for the month which is half of what the planned season would have been then he will be reevaluated so that that's not working out for the rangers so well their new ballpark it seems to be okay they lost their first series there that's not how how you want to start it necessarily but the new ballpark is is there? It's it's empty, but it's it's being played in. It's looking good. So, no no initial hiccups with the ballpark anyway. But the third looking good third on the inside. Star, there definitely is. Uh, and then this one is a little more interesting in that the reports that came out about Justin Verlander, uh, potentially missing the rest of the season with an injury, uh, were just not true. The source being Justin Verlander, who went out and tweeted later that same day that the report was made that he was missing the rest of the season. He just straight up saying, this is not accurate. I have a forearm strain, and I'm hope- hoping after some rest, we'll be able to return. He, so he here's the real weeks. question with, yeah. with that. Is is Justin Verlander even a, a, for, a, is he even a source you can consider accurate, even when discussing himself? Is does he have any credibility, even in this case? I think that's the real question. Yes, 
he is. I think so. He well, you can I question. Sarcasm, you can question. You can yeah. If you're getting at, can you can you trust anything that comes out of his mouth in general? Uh, questionable. Just this is regarding Masters' cheating situation and how outspoken he was against cheating before joining the Astros. And oh, whoops. Okay. Well, you know, just ignore the whole uh, cheating scandal. To be fair, it wasn't the fact that he joined. It wasn't the fact that he joined the Astros. He uh, he was traded there, but the, it was the fact that he one signed an extension with them, and then two was complicit to the cheating. But we don't need to get into the cheating right now. I I do feel like though it's going to just be inevitable that more and more pitchers, especially the older, already potentially injury prone and susceptible players, are going to get hurt in this shortened season. Assuming it keeps going, I mean, there's just there's no way any pitcher could really have had the proper training. I know for Kluber, they already said that even if he comes back healthy, there's no way he could probably rejoin the rotation because there's enough time to regain his strength. And I, I feel like, you know, you look at that Rangers bullpen, which we infamously predicted to win the division. I mean, not their bullpen, sorry, their rotation, but that you predicted to do be so well. And you just look at guys like uh, Lynn and Miner, and I, I just don't see them holding up uh, – in this format, it just, this is just the beginning. I feel like, and you know, that Kluber trade, you know, the Indians were pretty, pretty panned for their return. And it's looking pretty good for them so far, just by default, which, you know, I think everyone when that first, when that trade first went down was saying how this was exactly their prediction was that, you know, it sounds like the Indians know something that we, that no one else does about Kluber's durability because the return did not match expectations. Um, so I, I think it really goes to show you that this season, the injury crisis might be just as severe as the COVID potential crisis even. Well, I, I don't know if anything will match up quite to that level, but there's, there's, uh, there's something to be said for the Indians seemingly having known that something like this was bound to happen and trading him below below at what at a glance looked like a steal for the Rangers. So maybe not my best prediction, but we, we, we'll see. There's there's hopefully a lot of baseball left to play this season. Miguel Cabrera is playing very well. My <laughs> prediction has gone well. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I believe we've touched on most of the, the, the big news from, from opening – opening weekend uh g-man well, had wanna, a right-handed home run that was weird i did want to throw in one more thing i do think it was really interesting how the opening day game um against the nationals and the yankees the very first first opening day game with fauci throwing out the first pitch uh had all this black lives matter branding like on the mound and on the jersey patches um and i think all the players kneeled before the game and the very next game, that was all gone. And I, I didn't see every single game, so I don't know what the deal was at, in the other matchups. But I do think it's really strange how the MLB, like, basically did the bare minimum to claim that they are for social justice and just kind of moved on, swept under the rug. I just feel like it's, once again, just, like, so damning of, like, a league that is, like, just out of touch with pop culture today um, and social justice. And I don't think it's really talked about much because of 
the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, but it just once again shows you that there's no conviction to this league about anything they do except for making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's important to note. We know there's a lot of other things that are taking up a lot of attention right now, but but do not stop with regards to bringing attention to the social injustice, to the Black Lives Matter movement. Players have the platform to do it, and it can be a consistent thing. It's powerful. You know, in Europe, in the Premier League, even every single game starts with moment of silence and kneeling by both teams and everybody involved. It's it's such an easy thing to do, and I understand that America, as a as a home front for for a lot of this stuff, it gets a little contentious, even when it shouldn't be. This this is where you stand up. These these platforms. Um, are really powerful and right now they're not right now they're they're being wasted so let's i'm gonna be let's see more i'm gonna i'm gonna play devil's advocate here um i agree with both of you wholeheartedly that there needs to be more i also think that they're they have been doing stuff at least the players have and just following my team the angels i know a significant amount of them have um use their social media as their, uh, they've worn shirts in BP and practice. There needs to be more coverage of that stuff too. Um, it's, it's not just let's put a banner up or let's, let's paint the mounds with BLM. Um, there needs to, this league needs more action that actually helps. Yeah. It needs unified action. The player, we know that the players care. Most of the players out there are are smart, determined, hardworking, caring individuals that do a lot to support their local communities and use their platforms for good. They they need help. It needs to be a unified effort. That's that's what we're getting at. The league needs to be to do more. Teams need to do more. Players, of course, we always love to see them do whatever they can. But even then, there's more that can be done. All right, let's let's move into the coronavirus discussion. I, I believe we should start on opening day, which was a pretty pretty telling sign that right out of the gates on opening night, Juan Soto, the Washington Nationals, they were playing the Yankees, tested positive uh, right before uh, opening day. I believe it was the day before, but really news about it was coming out the day the day of opening day and knew that he would not be playing, apparently through whatever MLB's contact tracing procedures were. No other nationals were limited from playing on opening night. And as far as we know right now, nothing significant has come from that in terms of positive test cases on either the Yankees or the Nationals. But that should tell you right away how vulnerable players still are to to getting this virus it's almost as if they're they're still just normal people going about their lives the precautions that the league is mandating are clearly not enough to to keep players from getting it and it's such a big league it's it's not comparable to really anything else 
to any other sports league that's active right now or ramping up to become active, it's so hard to compare things like this to the MLS or the NBA bubble or or really really anything. Yeah. And now now we see only a few days into the season the real the real consequences of allowing players as much as as much freedom to just do what they would be doing in a normal season essentially outside of a few outside of a few minor adjustments that have been made and of course not having fans but you know the players in the field they're still exposing a lot of other a lot of other people people on other teams and other staffs and that's that's where the problems ensue uh, it's it sparked just within the Marlins, uh, within their team in their organization. Uh, it was reported that at least fourteen uh, players and coaches have tested positive as of yesterday, and it started with only three positive Four. tests that were known on Sunday before they played the Phillies and proceeded to to play a game. So that's a big talking point. But let's just start with. First, what what's happening, or you know, the the report of fourteen positive cases on on one team, um, and the significance of that before even touching I, on what happened Sunday. I mean, I I kind of want to break your rule and talk about both of them at the same time. Okay. I <laughs> the I don't understand how because. We've seen the article. We've seen people already come out and talk about it. With why did these teams play? And even with the contact tracing of of the Nationals saying no other players um, were in a in a position to potentially have gotten it at least um, that. And then how distracted as a player, like how how brave are these players to go out and play a game of baseball? when they know four of their teammates have already tested positive and baseball does not seem something that seemed like something, at least to me, even though I love it, that I would want to go out and play at a high level and be completely focused on that. While I know I might've been compromised to a, to the worst pandemic in modern history. But it's like way, it's way worse than that. I mean, they voted to play the game when they knew that they had positive cases on the team. And I, I think that's so unacceptable. I think Mattingly should be immediately fired. Uh, and I think it's unacceptable he allowed that in the first place. Um, second of all, the fact that baseball did not have a protocol for what a team should do in this situation is so damning of their sheer incompetence with this entire plan. I mean, we it's such a obvious example of I told you so, how they had no clear system in place in case of an outbreak on the team. They really thought with the limited amount of protocols they had in place to prevent this, that it wasn't going to happen. I mean, it only took just the fact that it happened this quickly shows how likely it was going to happen. I mean, that the it really proves that like the David Prices and the Zimmermans and the Posies sitting out the season because they weren't confident in this plan. It really justifies them and vindicates them. And I mean, I'm angry about this. The more I think about it, the more I'm kind of like, at first it was kind of just shock 
now I'm really processing it. I mean, the one Soto thing, uh, I kind of let slide because I'm it was supposedly one guy and they claimed that they contact traced him, which I think was a bunch of crap. I mean, he obviously was in the dugout with the other players. Um, I mean, that was strike one, strike two was the whole mask policy that they were using on the fields is so just absurd and irrational. They have like the field umpires and the coaches wearing masks, but the home plate umpire and all the players aren't wearing masks. It's like, well, that doesn't really accomplish anything. So either everyone should wear a mask or no one. Um, ideally everyone. And then just lastly, I just don't see how this Marlins team or this Phillies team or now this Yankees team or these this or I mean it just the 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 effect is just a it's a domino effect. And who knows, you know, Juan Soto, how many players in the nationals really got infected? And I just feel like the sheer cavalierness with people's lives is really concerning and scary. And it really proves Canada also really right for not letting the Blue Jays play in Toronto, which last time I checked, are the Blue Jays even for sure playing in Buffalo? I mean, that's that's another just sheer failing of this season. I mean, I, I, all I'm saying, and I'll finish this round with this, if they can't even make it one series without this, you really think they can really finish the season safely? That seems pretty damn hard to believe. I, I, yeah, I'm all there with you. I think a lot of people are saying, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that with the season? Um, to, if they wanted baseball, why didn't they have a bubble? Well, the reason the NBA has a bubble is they were two thirds of the way done with their season. It's very, it's much easier to convince these athletes to leave their families, leave everyone for three months than for an entire season. So that's, that's one. But then since these players are not in a bubble, it's such a different experience, but these are 14 people, at least 14 people. I hope there's no, not more that like are still awaiting their tests or haven't been tested, but these are 14 people in the Marlins organization, whether player or, um, or front office person um, or personnel that are going to go home to their families who they might get, they might've gotten infected or someone within that household could have um, like, they could have some, someone at that household that had the virus that was asymptomatic. There's just so many risks with baseball right now. And it's really sad to see that there's nothing protecting the players. I mean, I'm sorry, but how many – I've watched three, four games so far. I haven't seen many players following the no high-fives rule. I haven't seen many players, like, following any of these protocols that the MLB has mandated. And basically regardless of that, away. The, first, yeah. the first day, they already broke all those rules. Yeah, regardless of that, it's like, why were those the rules? Why couldn't there have been, like – alternative like why couldn't there have been stricter rules and we talked about this before there's definitely this is a tough thing to implement and this is something that they don't know how to really go about and that's fair but really no high fives that's that's where you're going to draw the line like how how are we going to have i wouldn't be surprised if a guy like mike trout after this news says all right i'm out but the one thing I disagree with you on is I do think the bubble totally could have happened. I really don't think they even tried. And I don't think it was the players 
who turned it down. I, I that's a, what I interpreted, and this is all speculation. I will admit, but it's not like the owners when it was originally decided were hoping that they were going to get fans in the stadium when this was really getting negotiated. And yeah, okay, I, I see that. That's in hindsight was an. I mean, that it just which is ironic, of course, because that was their whole issue with the previous agreement. I, we don't have to go back back into that, but. Why they couldn't have gone to Omaha or the, one of the two spring training spots? You know, they could have done what the NHL did, but they put you know half the teams on one side, one coast, half the teams in the other. Um, I, I, I mean, I really think even with te- uh, Arizona and Florida having huge outbreaks, I really don't see how they couldn't have just put all the teams at the two spring training training facilities. I mean, the season is so so short that they basically wouldn't have been there that much longer than the NBA players are in their bubble. That is true. Um, so um, I think it's just I, I really th- and it what's and that's not to say that it this methodology wasn't impossible. I mean in Europe they successfully did implement it, but the difference is the distance traveled is so much less and those are all those were larger in countries that were controlling the outbreaks way way better. Um I I think it's just damning. I mean it, 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 it Rob Manfred claim, claiming that this doesn't fall into a nightmare category. I mean, what what is this if it isn't a nightmare? Okay, well, so that's I do want to talk about that because that is a big issue with how this how the commissioner is responding. But I, I have to point, I have to address a couple of things that you said that I think are maybe you you conceded these points, but but one the the bubble situation when it was first discussed. There was significant pushback by players uh, just n- not too long ago in a, in a podcast that I was listening to uh, in which Tyler Glass and I, who's a player rep for the Rays, discussed this. He said that that was one of the biggest points of pushback is players having to be away for the extent of the season. And mind you, this is when the length of the season and the terms of the season were still being discussed. But mind you, yes, this would have been for a full season, multiple months where they they essentially have to be away from their families and stay with their teams on a single site. Uh, it is incredibly different than the NBA who are playing the playoffs and in doing the situation that way, even compared to NHL and, and these other places that are doing um, I, I multi-site. I don't agree with you because the NBA is letting their families come in at a certain point. So the MLB could have done that. And I still think in overall length, uh, the NBA players, I think, are going to be there for three months. This MLB season is about three months. Uh, so I think that's pretty similar. Well, and so, so and I'm I think sorry. Players, players would not have turned. <laughs> said, wait, that's the last thing. I, I get the players. You're right. Thank you for correcting me on the pushback. But at the end of the day, if the MLB said, you either stay in a bubble or there's no season, the players are going to take their paycheck. The bubble was, I, really, I would be shocked to believe, and I could be wrong, but if you're really telling me the bubble, was the make it or break it decision on them playing a season, then the players didn't deserve to get paid, in, all, in my opinion. Then. And I think that would be absurd if that was truly their breaking point stipulation. I'm sure they didn't want to do it. The NBA players didn't want to do it either. They made a whole big puff about it, but they're doing it, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, I want to make a quick point about that. First off, it's what Uwe said it, um, about the length of the season matters too, where it wouldn't have been 60 games. It would have been as close to a full season as possible. That would have been five, six, seven months away from their families. And they could have brought in their families. That's true. But I think with 
going back to the NBA, another advantage they had was since they were two-thirds of the way done with their season, they basically could tell eight teams of both players and their um, and their personnel, stay home. You don't need to come because you're not going to make it. You're very unlikely from making the playoffs. So that's that many less people in that area. Um, so overall, I... Sorry, what? you you just you brought up the point that I was going to bring up about the other major difference being is the size of the or just the scale of the whole operation. Yeah, and yeah. NBA I teams, mean, you say there's this is not even the entirety of the the NBA without even considering how much smaller NBA teams are player wise on a roster basis, and then also you have to account for for additional staffing and and whoever else has to remain in quarantine. I also want to point out... Um, but they're basically uh, taking the same amount of infrastructure anyways to do this season. No, okay. The hardest thing to get is testing. They're already doing testing. I mean, I don't think you guys are being creative enough. They don't have to all have gone to the same location like the NBA. They could have had every team each division only go to one location. I mean, they put in very little effort into creatively thinking about solving this problem, past paying, playing in your own uh, coast, whatever, which made no sense to begin with. The flight from houston to seattle is like two thousand miles what doesn't make doesn't do anything so i, I think you guys are i i don't know i i think I they, mean, if they really wanted to they could have made it happen and it would have been completely feasible and doable I, and would have made more, way more sense than this lunacy i agree with you that if they wanted to they could have made it happen i i genuinely agree with you and this is the last point i want to make on this and i think that like i said if they wanted to have this happen they would have made this happen but we've talked about this that's not their prerogative that's not what they want to that's not what they wanted to see out this season and after watching um just after seeing the infrastructure and all the work and all the attention and detail that's gone on in the nba's bubble and watching through vlogs of players and seeing everything i'm not sure the mlb would have just seeing how how little let, thought out the plan for um, the protocols for the coronavirus playing in the 60 games already are, I'm not sure how well they would have even made their bubbles. How how well, like, how... I, I can't even speak right now. I, <laughs> I'm not sure how well those bubbles would have even gone either. I, I honestly am not at a point where I have too much faith in MLB's like MLB's leadership and direction. No, yeah, the, ML, the MLB did not did not try. They did not do it its due diligence, and as, as mentioned, they really did not negotiate in good faith because their priorities were different than the players' priorities uh, in terms of getting as much baseball delivered as possible. So, yes, the bubble. Is the bubble could have been possible? The MLB did not try. The MLB also, as of right now, has no capabilities of doing this this year. I just want to make that clear too. There's no runway that could potentially lead up to a bubble situation this year. Um, just in case people are curious about about that thought. And then and then also, yeah, I there I still maintain that it is not it is you can't really compare it to the other sports that are playing right now 
just due to the scale, just due to the situation of, of their season, or whatever. Looking at other sports is good for to, to get ideas of what things can be done successfully, but it really isn't so simple as this sport did this, why can't we do this? Let's let's talk about Rob Manfred because he <laughs> can't seem to go more than a couple days without saying something incredibly dumb. And in this case, it's really dismissing the serious nature of the outbreak that has occurred. And that's that's something that we we didn't even really touch on is just this is the second series of the season. What what do they do what what do they do when this happens to more than one team what happens I, we still don't even know what happens now when one team suffers an outbreak like this but it's certainly certainly possible and if it's at the the current rate likely that multiple teams have similar situations and this goes back all the way to march with why leagues we're shutting down why the NBA was shutting down is because you can in a very short amount of time trace contact between players and teams to a very widespread nature just over the course of like a couple of weeks just the way that schedules work out and and whatever so many people are impacted in such a short amount of time so if this is a minor case it's it's just by it's just by the by luck honestly because this could have happened in multiple places like there was nothing to prevent it from happening anywhere so let, let's talk about rob manfred um uh, rudy do you do you have any more juice left to rant about the response by the commissioner or is it really just waste of breath at this point to to deplore him for his incompetence i mean he is just a suit um, he's that guy you have like in your economics class that like you know does some day trading on the side and invests in Tesla and thinks that he's a genius because uh, he makes like a hundred dollars a year um, off that. Uh, off that. That was a analogy. weird. That was a weird That's analogy. analogy. <laughs> Is there something wrong with Tesla guys, that I should know about now? <laughs> I feel like Barbo is feeling me on it. Maybe not. But uh, potentially, yeah. But it was definitely interesting. <laughs> he's that guy you know who like thinks he's an expert on like finance, like as like a eighteen year old. You're um, saying he's underqualified. I I just or think he's, he's not listening to the experts. I saw him on Thursday night baseball during opening game. They were interviewing him, and he said this smug little look on his face, like he just, uh, you know, made a little good shit in his toilet for daddy. And for the first time, it's just like, no, like you didn't do a good job. Like you don't. And they did the also like, to be fair, like they were totally sucking him off on the broadcast. Uh, Verducci was, which I thought was just deplorable to begin with. And I just think once again, it just proves you that he is the worst commissioner in sports. And he only cares about money. And it's, it's he doesn't even have like the uh, charisma to, pretend otherwise and it's 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 almost like it's it's very reminiscent of politics in a lot of ways they're just like the transparent corruption of it it, it i i'm not trying to overstate it but i think 
it really makes you, at least for me, question my affinity for baseball at a certain point. If they just, if they don't even want to have the illusion of being about something more than the bottom line, what what is there for me as a fan to come back to come for every game? I think on that note, we've seen a lot of we've talked about it over and over again, year after year, about how some of the changes that we're gonna we've seen and we're going to see in baseball, um, because uh, that Rob Manfred wants to push are geared to like other fans, but then there how's he what's he doing to try to keep us interested keep us caring for the game of baseball i mean i will always love baseball but this this league is just at this point i i can't even say i'm disappointed or upset it's embarrassing to be a baseball fan right now to like to say oh what what like it it, it's sad to be able to expect that the worst is going to happen to your favorite sport Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and like I said, the problem isn't just that it happened. The problem is that the potential for it to happen again and on a larger scale exists. And this is really just an early, early warning flag saying, hey, pay attention to these problems before things get really bad. And I'm worried that at least the commissioner doesn't want to, that MLB won't, because their incentives lie elsewhere. And and now it's it's gotta be up to it's gotta go back to the, the teams and the players to really determine where they are gonna put hard lines down. Teams have been taking really their own measures to to ensure social distancing and, and other and other, mind you, minor precautions to to make things just a little bit safer. Um, whether that's giving, basically expanding dugouts to the points where where a full bench of players and coaches can can not have to sit arm to arm. And there's there's been some creativity on a team front. It, it really just is going to have to come down to them, I think. And in telling Major League Baseball, this isn't safe and we're not going to do this. And that's why with the case of what happened this Sunday, where essentially the Marlins had a, had a team discussion, and I really hope that the Phillies were involved in this discussion as well, whether or not to proceed with the game. Sounds like they were not. Which... To some level, they had to been had to. Oh, had yeah, to I find it hard to believe that they weren't at all. Like, no they one weren't said they because been, so well, you can only so, so evidence so evidence that they they did know was that Phillies players, a number of Phillies players, did wear masks for the first time on that day, knowing that there could be a, a higher likelihood of exposure. So that, that is evidence that the Phillies were aware of this situation, but in either case, the fact that they decided to play with the information they had really it's like deplorable. Can't, it can't happen again. It can't happen again. I it, What happened, happened, and what happened was bad, but it can't happen again. If teams know this information, forget about what the MLB says. If, if this is a case where there are positively tested players on – on either of the teams that are that have been around the teams that 
there is no certainty that players haven't tested positive, then just don't play. It's going to come down to them because clearly Major League Baseball isn't going to take decisive action. So I, I believe it's going to come down to the teams to do so and the players. So that's that's where I that's where I see things going from here. And I think that's about all I have to say on the, the matter right now. If you guys have anything else to add before we wrap up here, uh, go ahead and say now. I, I guess right, I should have no, said who first. <laughs> um, I guess I ha- I'm trying to just approach this with some level of not necessarily the season, but some level of optimism that at some point you would hope that people who are put who are put in these positions will figure it out. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's terrible. It's deplorable, as Rudy said, that it might ha- it, like it's taking them jeopardizing people's lives and health. Um, to get to a point where they might be like, oh, we need to actually do something about this. But I'm hoping that at some point they will figure it out or else baseball's down. Mm-hmm. Rudy, anything, any final thoughts? I, I just think, I, I think the question I asked you guys is where's the breaking point if there even is one? Do you think the MLB is just going to power through if infinite examples of this? just occurring over and over again or do you think they actually have the courage to just say all right we gave her a best shot but we couldn't make it happen yeah like i said i don't trust the mlb to make that call i think it's going to come down to the teams and the players to say no we're done you you don't have think they have even to just at any point stop it all i I didn't realize that's no if they do if they do it'll be because of the pressure from the teams and players they'll force the issue they'll force the mlb to stop is what i'm saying for sure yeah I, I see that, but I also see at some point. Actually, no, I, I fully agree because I feel like even if we are down in the middle of the season or towards the end of the season, and all of a sudden you see instead of two, three, four teams where we're at right now who, who might have been affected and their seasons have been a little bit altered already, if, you, if we see that on a bigger scale, five, eight, nine, ten teams that have had to postpone self-quarantine in a clubhouse, um, that's going to have to receive some sort of uproar from the players and the teams and some sort of reaction from the um, from the league itself. But the reason I'm agreeing with you is my mindset and how I view the league right now is I feel like they would just say, all right, we'll take like a week off and then we'll get right back to it or something. I don't know. I, I, I really, it's so hard to tell. By the time this goes out, there's probably going to be so many more developments that we'll, we'll be discussing very shortly, I'm sure. So if you do want to hear future discussions about this, which there are bound to be, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We really appreciate you being here and listening. And if you want to connect with us, do so on social media at BeattheShiftBP. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. BeattheShiftBaseball.com for all our podcasts and articles. That is going to do it for today. MLB, do better. Do more. Please. As always, Farbode. Peace.